Welcome some, welcome all, even you standing in the center of them all. Welcome to Making It, No Faking It. I'm your host, Branyo Edmonds, a junior broadcast journalism student at the Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, and welcome to our first episode. In this podcast, we will be discussing various topics, such as mental health, the struggle within of the African-American community, personal journals, and even life in general. This specific episode, we will be discussing mental health, specifically in the under-reserved and under-deserved um, communities, the Black communities, and also the university communities. Let's get started. What is mental health? The proper definition of mental health, described by Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is the condition of being sound mentally and emotionally that is characterized by the absence of mental illness and by adequate adjustment, especially as reflected in feeling comfortable about oneself, positive feelings about others, and the ability to meet the demands of daily life. Well, there you have it. It has a whole definition there, but somehow it's not upheld in some communities. I know specifically in the African-American community, because I am African-American, mental health is looked on as a curse. It's something that you don't even talk about. When you think of mental health in the African-American community, it's like you're crazy or you're seen as stupid or you're seen as less than because in your in other people's mind, you aren't quite right in the head. But when you think of mental health in the black community, it's more of like stigmas as if you don't go to church enough or you don't pray enough. But maybe that's not the case. Also, I know for being a student at a major university, it's seen as the same exact way. It's something that's pipe culture or something that you know about, but no one really pays attention to it unless it's idolized on TV as mental health this or love yourself this or wear a t-shirt that says I love myself, but do you really love yourself? Do you really understand what it means to have bipolar disorder? What it really means to be someone who's stuck with the stigma and target on the back or afraid to go talk to their parents. I know for me personally, dealing with bipolar disorder one and clinical depression, it was hard for me to come out to my parents. It was hard for me to even say, you know, mom, I think something's wrong with me without them even thinking that, oh, Lord, my child is cursed or, oh, Lord, we didn't take her to church enough. Not even something that's reflecting on them, but what about me? What about some of the feelings that I'm thinking? And Lord, I can't even imagine what it's like for someone who doesn't have the support for me and support just like I do. And that's why we have our special guest, Dr. Nancy O'Farrell on here today, who's going to discuss a little bit more. Stay tuned. All righty, and we are back with Miss Nancy O'Farrell to talk a little bit more. So, of course, with mental health, there's always a dark side that comes with it. What are some ignorant remarks and some stigmas that you have experienced being in this field or just dealing with mental health altogether? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that adults need jobs Mm -hmm. and there are still, there's still such discrimination in the workplace against people who disclose that they have a mental health condition. 
Uh, we have an organization in the state of Florida called the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation, mm -hmm. which deals with people who are disabled, who are trying to get either back into the workforce or into the workforce for the first time. 51% of their clients have a mental health condition. They end up with minimum wage jobs. Um, most of them, I shouldn't say that, a lot of people in the workplace hide their mental health condition because even though it's illegal to fire someone because of a health issue, they'll figure out a way. There's still a lot of fear. Oh my goodness, this person's gonna show up and shoot, shoot people, I right. mean, gosh. Um, there are so many words that people use that are so hurtful. It's hard not to. Mm -hmm. We learn these when we're children. We call things crazy. Uh, we joke about wanting to kill ourselves. Mm -hmm. We talk about being OCD. I'm yeah. so OCD yeah. about that. Well, trust me when I tell you that having an actual obsessive compulsive mm -hmm. disorder is not funny. Right. And people hate being that way. Mm -hmm. And even when people, I know a lot of times people say, oh, this is bipolar, the weather's bipolar, yeah. or I act bipolar. And, and it, it just hits you. Yes. You, you cannot help but take that personally. And it's, it's a matter of education and watching, and let's don't say committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Because suicide used to be, and in many places still is, a crime. Yeah. Although you cannot punish the person who is deceased, but committed suicide is like you're committing a crime. Well, what you do is you die by suicide. Yeah. You take your own life. Let's, let's use some different words. Let's don't call someone bipolar mm -hmm. because you are not your illness. Let's say someone has bipolar disorder or lives with bipolar disorder. Someone's schizophrenic. Well, I don't say you're cancer or you're diabetes. <laughs> I don't say, but, but people like schizophrenic, it's like defines you. So it's just a, a matter of people first. If you say something hurtful, say, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. Uh, even if you're in a room full of people and you have no idea who they are or what their disease might be, you might say, I, you know, I shouldn't call that bipolar. That is really hurtful. Think who you might be educating. And in the incident I told you about, the young woman whose, whose parents would say, why can't you just be happy like your sister? Oh, there's a lot of that goes on with the depression and anxiety. It's just like, get a grip. Yeah. You know, here you are living, you have a wonderful home, you have your own laptop, you've got a car, you, you know, how, how dare you be depressed? Right. And that sort of attitude is, is hurtful. Yes. I mean, you know what? We don't ever know somebody else's story. Right. And we're pretty much all doing the best we can. Yeah. So, you know, let's just be nice to each other. <laughs> I hate to be corny, but why can't we all just get, get along? Uh, you know, those, those words had a lot of truth to them. Yeah. So. Whew. so if someone may not have NAMI in their city, mm -hmm. what are some ways that they can get involved in mental health? Or even as a college student, we can get involved. That's a really great question. First of all, from the NAMI point of view, NAMI has more and more things online. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's a, a, a class called NAMI Basics, and that's for those parents of kids ages 5 to 21 who have a mental health issue, don't even have to have a diagnosis. And it, there's something called NAMI Basics On Demand. Mm -hmm. And a person living in, oh, I don't know, Andalusia, Alabama, who doesn't have a NAMI right. can go online and take that class. Mm -hmm. there, there are things, if you visit NAMI.org, 
to find all the things that are available online. There's a, a class called NAMI Homefront, which is for veterans and their families, and that's online all the time. Veterans frequently, and, and military people in general, can be in very remote locations. They can do online things. Um, if you don't have a NAMI in your community, there's probably one close by. Uh, in, in the panhandle of Florida, we have NAMI Pensacola, NAMI Okaloosa Walton mm -hmm. in Fort Walton, NAMI Bay County in Panama City, and NAMI Tallahassee. There's a big gap between Tallahassee and Jacksonville, however. Right. So those folks frequently will just commute. They'll get in the car and drive for an hour to take a class. Mm -hmm. um, you can always ask your physician. Uh, your primary care physician might know. Um, your nearest mental health provider, um, the hospital, will know. Um, but you know what? Get online, send out an email. I've had emails from people. There's one in Valdosta. There's one in Moultrie. I mean, in this area, we have them. So we're, we're here to, and we have a helpline. Uh, it's not a hotline, it's a helpline. So, you know, we can talk on the phone to people. Um, and we're always accepting volunteers, so. Okay. Do you have any advice for um, anyone that you know that is struggling with mental health and so, I don't want to say afraid, but in a sense afraid to get help or to reach out or doesn't have the outlet to reach out to anyone? You know, we have a great service in this community, and it's called the Mobile Response Team. Mobile it's, it's a service that Appalachia Center provides, um, and I can give you the 800 number. Yes, please. <laughs> um, but... You call that number, they're on call 24-7, 365. Mm -hmm. You can call that number and talk to someone on the phone. If necessary, they will come to you, to your house, to your dorm, mm -hmm. to your place of business, and talk to you. And they can do an evaluation, and they might recommend what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Also, we are blessed in this community to have the best 211 service ever. Mm -hmm. You can always call 211. They're not just for emergencies. You call them and you say, I'm sitting at home. I've been in my house for a week. I've been living on Coke and potato chips. Um, I, I'm afraid to go outside. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Is there someone there that I can talk to? Right. And they will talk to you. And they will refer you. And they will help. So between the mobile response team and 211, there's always someone at the end of the line. There are even texts that you, you can text to talk if you don't want to talk to people yeah. and I will be happy to give you all of these numbers if if you want me to if you'd like to broadcast them in the podcast. I would love to and we can have that put in the details and I can send that out to um, of course not just to my professor but just anyone who wants to have Absolutely it because we, we have services yes. that people don't know about. So many amazing services yes. and like not everybody has the knowledge about it so I'm so grateful for you right. to have that. And once again I like to put in a plug for, for FAMU Student yeah. Health if anybody on campus needs to talk to somebody, just go to Student Health. They have got it going on. <laughs> they are good folks. Okay, and lastly, what are some social media outlets or contact that we can use to get in touch with you and NAMI Tallahassee or any other mental health organization that you're involved All in? All right, NAMI Tallahassee has a Facebook page. Okay. You can find us on Facebook, NAMI Tallahassee on Facebook. Uh, there is a NAMI on campus at Florida State University that is open to Everybody, not just FSU students, any young person who wants to get involved with them. And you know what? One of my dreams is to get a NAMI on campus at FAMU started. So 
I've got several faculty members who are interested in being sponsors if I could just get some students mm-hmm. who wanted to do it. Uh, that's a great organization, and they do, they do really fun stuff on campus at FSU, and they have socials and all kinds of things. Um, our website is um, nami-tallahassee.org. That lists all of our programs, our member meetings, to which everyone is invited, not just members. Um, some of my younger people do Twitter and Instagram, but I don't do that, so I'm not really sure how to tell you how to get to them. Uh, but our Facebook page is a great way to start. Uh, both NAMI Tallahassee and NAMI on campus at FSU have Facebook pages okay. that you can communicate through that. Okay. And on our website, you can always get a hold of any one of the board members, including me, through the website. Just admin at namitallahassee.org. Um, you can always get me. That'll be me. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I want to say thank you so very, very much for sitting with me. On behalf of my audience, people struggling with mental health, this really means a lot. Well, you you are so so welcome. And as I say, having this conversation means I have had a very good day. (laughs) All righty. Thank you. You're welcome. All righty. Welcome back to all our listeners tuned in from the break with our guest, Ms. Nancy O'Farrell, mental health activist and president of NAMI Tallahassee. Um, I wanted to ask you, what um, encouraged you to become president of NAMI Tallahassee? Well, I'm now finishing my fifth year of serving on the board of directors of the nonprofit. Uh, And before that, I was a pretty active volunteer. Um, I have served with some really outstanding presidents. And in order to, to be the president or the chairman of a board, particularly of a nonprofit, you have to really have passion about the mission of the group and it really helps to have a few ideas about where you sit there and you think you know I might do this a little bit differently mm-hmm. and of course when you get into it and you discover it's not all that easy but but that's just life um, but I really felt like if I could do this and I, I'm ending my first year as president and I will serve another year next year okay. and after okay. that according to our bylaws I will rotate off the board so I've had this two-year window where I can try to make some things happen. Um, and I just, we have a great board. We have wonderful people who serve on our board. And I thought with this great team, we will really be able to, to uh, move the nonprofit up a notch, you know, get more community visibility. I mean, here I am on this podcast, yeah. so that's good. <laughs> um, and our, our motto is kind of, if I talk to one person in a day and, te- and tell them a little bit about what we do, it's been a very good day for right. a nonprofit. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the underinsured and overlooked population that's dealing with mental health. Can you tell us a little bit of behind the scenes on how you all work with them? And especially when it comes to sometimes I'm sure you guys visit or get a lot of people who are homeless or a lot of people that um, are younger or even adults that may not have the proper tools or the proper money to get that type of help. Can Correct. you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, NAMI Tallahassee has a seat on a very great group called the Mental Health Council of the Big Bend. Mm-hmm. Uh, unique in Florida, actually, because it's a whole group of providers and, and family representatives, like we are, who sit at a table and, and leave all their competitiveness outside the door right. and really work on policy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things the Mental Health Council did to start itself three years ago was do a community survey. Yeah. Where are the zip codes where the need exists for more help in, in, in kind of uh, mood disorders, anxiety and depression? 
and we discovered that the zip codes in this community that seem to have the most need for mental health services that are not being served are the ones in South City and Frenchtown. Mm. So many of us as providers have pushed our services in that direction. Um, and it's incredibly important when you offer services because we're, we're dealing with something that's not a warm, fuzzy subject, which is mental illness. We have to be culturally appropriate. We have to provide, for instance, a family support group, which is designed for members of families of folks who have mental health conditions, with facilitators who look like the people who are walking in the door. Right. So if we have a family support group that meets on the south side of town, which is a large underserved population, and the two ladies who facilitate that group are African-American. Yeah. One of them has a mental health condition herself, right. living in recovery. The other one has a son who has one. So they are, you know, our requirement at NAMI is you have to live the experience before you can do one of our programs. Right. So that's our best approach. We, we have wonderful community partnerships with the Bond Community Health Center, with Neighborhood Health Services, with FAMU uh, Student Health, uh, the director of Family Student Health is a, is a huge volunteer in the mental health community. She's a, just a wonderful person. As I've already said, we have volunteers from FAMU mm -hmm. who have a real burning desire to reach out into the community where their university sits and do good yeah. and help. So in this community, the underserved population tends to be African American, although not completely. Right. Uh, there are minorities. There are certainly Caucasian underserved people too, but but we we really try to emphasize that we put people in our programs to serve that community, who who go to their churches, who teach their children in school, who understand what's going on on the south side with poverty, with lack of health care or with inadequate health care, without insurance or an underinsured situation. Um, the, these are problems that we have in Tallahassee, and it's, it's ridiculous not to talk about them because mm -hmm. we're not going to get any better unless we attack them with whatever tools we have. Right. And with us, we're just this little tiny nonprofit with this little tiny ability to help families. Uh, we don't serve anybody under 18, but we do offer programs for parents of children who have mental health issues, okay. which sadly in America is a growing problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if the parents can take our education classes and they learn how to better deal with their children, how to deal with school system and that sort of thing. Okay. How do you believe that the awareness and the activism when it comes to surrounding around mental health has evolved? I know a lot of times um, people have publicized, um, you know, love yourself or being mentally healthy or, you know, you have a lot of um, celebrities like Alicia Keys yes. who come out depression. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you think that has evolved from when you first started or the earlier years until now? Oh, it, it is like a whole different universe. Mm -hmm. We have some sad reasons for that. Things like the Parkland shooting has really brought that to the forefront uh, because I think almost everyone would agree, I hope, that the young man who did that shooting was someone whose signs were missed yeah. from a very young age. So there's a lot more awareness in schools, for mm -hmm. certainly. Uh, the conversation has ramped up. And I have to say, the big driver of a lot of things in this country, but particularly the issues of mental health and mental illness, is young people. Yeah. 
because young people are so much more willing to talk about this, are more willing to stand up and say, look at me, I take you know medication for depression, but here I am in pre-med, I'm doing great, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to talk to you, I'm happy to tell you my story. And that is, that is, I mean, I'm, I'm old. I, you know, I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, and that was just not something you talked about. Yeah. And the difference in just 50 years, which sounds like forever to you, mm-hmm. but even the, the difference in the last 20 years, just in this century, yeah. is like, they're like just night and day. It's, it's, it's a huge turnaround. Okay. I know, speaking from experience, like for me, I deal with bipolar depression and being diagnosed at a young age in my family, not specifically just catered to being an African-American, but just being a human altogether. That's not something that we discussed. Mm-hmm. And when I had some of the signs, when I went to the, um, when I went to the hospital and was Baker acted at a young age, my parents did not quite understand. Well, it was simply like, we give you everything. Why, why are you acting this yes. way? Or why are you crying this way? Mm-hmm. So, I had to be able to understand myself and educate myself like now to be able to get that. It's not solely because of, because they don't understand. It's just, they weren't brought up that way. And and that is true of everyone. Not just your parents, but all of us. Uh, We had no idea what to do with our son back in the nineties when he was dealing with all of his problems in high school and ultimately dropped out of school and, you know, we were just barely hanging on by our fingernails. And when my husband and I took the NAMI family to family class in 2011, it changed our family mm-hmm. because we were parents like your parents. Yeah. I, we just thought, well, where did this terrible kid come from? Because we, you know, he was depressed and angry and, and we learned so much about medication, about treatment, about how to take care of ourselves while we took care of him but most of all to accept that it is an illness. There's one young lady who volunteers with our group who all through high school, her parents, why can't you be happy like your sister? Comparison. And they just, it's not that they're bad parents. Mm -hmm. It really is that people, you're not born knowing this stuff. So, and I, let me just say as a side remark that I am extremely impressed with your courage. Thank you. It is very difficult to, to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Every time you talk about it, you help somebody. Thank you. You may not know it, but you help somebody because they look at you. You're a beautiful young woman, clearly successful at what you're trying to do in, in the university. Uh, what a great role model. Thank you. It's, you know, recovery is possible. Yay. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take one more quick break, and we're going to be right back with some closing remarks and some little information. Thank you. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Making It, No Faking It, and we are here with our special guest, Ms. Nancy O'Farrell. Yay! Welcome. Thank you. So just to read a little bit about Ms. O'Farrell, Nancy is retired and involved in a number of volunteer activities. Her primary interests are lifelong learning and community service. She is particularly interested in the area of adult mental health services, especially in the underinsured and underinsured population. She served as co-chair of the Mental Health Subcommittee of the Tallahassee Equality Action Ministry team and was on the board of directors of 8th Hill Clubhouse for three years. Oh, wow, long time. Nancy has been a NAMI member for a number of years. She served as program director and volunteer coordinator and currently serves on the board of directors of NAMI Tallahassee as the president. 
As such, she is very involved in the community outreach and working with community partners. Nancy has been married to her husband, Mike, for 42 years. 42 years? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. They have two adult sons and three grandchildren. Please welcome Miss Nancy O'Farrell. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so <coughs> could you please inform the audience on the amazing work that you do? Well, NAMI Tallahassee is the local affiliate of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, mm-hmm. which is an all-volunteer organization uh, formed a long time ago, back in the 70s of the 20th century, to offer education, support, advocacy, and outreach, primarily at that time to families of individuals mm-hmm. with mental health challenges. Uh, over the years, uh, we have expanded our programs to include people who have a diagnosis, and even those who don't, but just struggle with mental health issues uh, on a daily basis. Um, we are not mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. We don't do treatment. We're not psychiatrists or psychologists or social workers. We are just folks. We're mm-hmm. somebody's mom or somebody's dad, uh, and we have lived the experience that we are trained to educate about. Mm-hmm. Um, we offer our services in the community at no charge ever. Oh, wow. Um, all of our trainings and support groups and outreach activities uh, include materials and sometimes even food. Um, it's not free to offer, of course. We have to print and we have to send people to training and we have to buy materials. So we do have to fundraise. We're not really supported by the government mm-hmm. or by the hospitals or except as they are our donors. Right. They are our supporters and don't, don't misunderstand me. But we don't have any regular income stream. So we're constantly looking for financial help from where we can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who volunteer with NAMI generally are very passionate about this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily, it, with the volunteer corps is mostly family members of mm-hmm. people who have mental illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Tallahassee, we are so blessed to have two outstanding universities and a great community college, and we get a lot of student volunteers, uh, young people who are majoring in the caring professions, uh, nursing, psychology, social work, Um, even occupational therapy, I mean, whatever kinds of things that people do to try to help others. And when you're in college learning how to do that, uh, apparently young people have a real um, motivation to volunteer in the community in which they're taking their degrees and try to help while they're going to school. So we have many uh, Florida A&M University volunteers who, who do all kinds of things for us. But as I say, we are all volunteer. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't have any paid staff. So we definitely count on the kindness of strangers to to offer our programs. Okay. What made you get started on this journey and becoming a part of this? Um, Like almost everybody else involved in this, I have a family member who has a mental health condition. Um, He is my son uh, who um, had his first episode when he was only 13. And that was a long time ago. He's now 37. So uh, at that time, there were just not a whole lot of uh, non-hospital kinds of services available. And so once I retired, which was in 2006, I decided, okay, now I'm not working anymore. My kids are grown. I, I really want to get involved in volunteer work. And I set out to learn about how that works in Tallahassee. Uh, I've gotten to know providers in the mental health community, um, other family members, 
uh, many, many what we call peers who are adults with a mental health diagnosis, uh, extraordinary people who, who deal with a chronic disease, which is what mental illness is, yeah. and still, you know, get up every day, go to work, raise their children, um, you know, participate themselves in volunteer work or active in their churches, go to the gym, go to the beach. They just happen to have a mental health condition and, and a lot of them will take some meds for it. Some of them just do therapy. Some people do meditation. I mean, they do whatever works. Uh, it's been a huge learning experience for me to figure out how this all works. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that over in, in the years since my son had his first episode, um, the whole outlook about mental illness has completely changed. We're now a recovery-oriented group. Uh, recovery is possible. There is always hope. And I'm happy to say that my son is doing so well. He's married. Um, he's has a college degree. He is, has a good job. He, he and his wife just bought a house. Mm -hmm. He has a just a really cool stepson, which who one of our grandchildren. Um, and he's doing so well. He's the model for how, mm -hmm. if you find the right treatment modality for you, um, you function in, in the world just like anybody else. Right. Uh, there's so much stigma to overcome mm -hmm. surrounding the whole issue when you just say mental illness. Uh, that conjures up pictures of people shooting up schools and that sort of thing. But uh, people with mental illness are far more likely to be the victims of crime than the perpetrators. Um, they, they have a huge unemployment percentage. Um, it, it's just a, a constant battle to try to broaden the conversation, bring people in, let people know this is not a death sentence. It's, it's, you know, it's like diabetes or heart disease or, you know, MS, you know, they're, they're, Lots of things that people deal with daily, and this is just another one on the list. Right. Earlier in the podcast, when I did um, some of my introduction, I defined mental health by Miriam at Oxford. How would you, in your definition, define mental health? Mental health, first of all, mm -hmm. and most important, yeah. is far more than just the absence of illness. Mental health is something that we all have. It can be good or not so good. Um, it is. It, it involves... Uh, being resilient. Um, everybody has bad days. Um, if you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you fail a test or your dog dies or a family member dies, uh, you get a terrible health care diagnosis. Those are all things that affect your mental health. Mm -hmm. So if you are mentally healthy, you accept the fact that you're going to have downtimes. You're going to have maybe even what we call appropriate depression. If, if my dog died, I can assure you that I would be depressed. Yeah. But you have tools whereby you recover. You bounce back. You're, that's what resilience is. It's, it's a bouncy thing. It's, you know, I'm having a bad day today, but I'm pretty sure that tomorrow's going to be better. Right. People with mental illness have a, an illness if they are clinically depressed, that's not something you can just shake yourself and get a grip and move on. That, that is an illness. So mental health involves another thing. You know, have my symptoms been going on for a long time? Is it maybe time for me to seek some help? Do I need to talk to my family doctor and say, you know, I've, I've been so sad for so long. Some days I just can't get out of the bed. You know, what do you think, doc? And he might say or she might say, 
Let's try just a little bit of an antidepressant and see if you don't feel better. That's mentally healthy. Yeah. To seek help is the definition of good mental health. But mental health as a thing, there's no physical health without mental health because it, you know, mental problems affect your whole body. So we just need to share with each other, mm-hmm. that, you know, and talk to people, be a friend. If someone in, in someone's family, the worst possible thing that could happen dies by suicide, just be there. You know, don't, don't say, I understand how you feel because you really don't. don't. Mm-hmm. But people need to talk. So anyway, that, that's just mental health. Mental health is far more than just a Merriam-Webster definition. Right. Although I'm sure it was a good one. Yeah. But it is a huge, complicated, whole mass of things. Okay. Well, thank you for that, for sharing with that. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back with some more questions and a little bit of chit-chat, too. Okay.